0: you know every time we sing that song where it says uh you're worthy or it goes holy holy are you lord god almighty that whole that whole song um i love that that song has has come back um it's not a new song it's uh one that was written probably in the early 90s and uh, i remember cranking that uh, song in my uh, little mitsubishi 323 uh, maroon red four-door sedan that my dad bought me for uh, $1,500 back in uh, uh, the early 90s um, with a keyed out uh, stripe on the, the side of my, my car. Uh, there was somebody in my high school parking lot that had just keyed out the thing and um, big old, old scratch on the side. But inside there was a little tape deck and I had a little tape uh, in that uh, tape deck uh, that played that had the song, uh, that song on it. And uh, every night when I'd be coming home from hanging out with friends or just wherever, uh, there was a road that I would always take home and it was uh, called Deer Springs Road and uh, just north of Escondido, California. And it's a dark road with a, a couple twists and turns. And I remember cranking that song so loudly in my little Mitsubishi 323. And there was one little turn uh, right before I got home that uh, it said, like, I think you could maybe take it like 45 miles an hour, like one of those uh, yellow signs that said 45, like that's probably the speed that you should take the, around this corner. But every uh, night I try to take that as fast as I can, just like with my little 323 with uh, the metal coming out of the tire like was i'm like oh i think it was about 55 60 miles an hour is what i uh, could take that turn at but i remember um in those moments singing that song like the lord was actually doing something in my heart and i didn't realize it until a couple years later that the lord was giving me a heart and a passion to live not for myself but for the kingdom of god for his kingdom you know, in that moment, like God was taking everything that I had heard as a kid, maybe religion and, and, and some stuff out of scripture and saying, this is the relationship that I want to have with you. It was in those moments over and over again, driving on that road that Jesus became real to me. And that is, like, my heart and my desire for all of us in this room is that we're not doing this on a Sunday morning. We're not coming and sitting in these pews just because of religion and, like, we have to do this or, like, okay, we're going to go through these motions. No, we are coming uh, and doing this because we are in love with Jesus. That's right, Maverick. You scream it, buddy. <laughs> I love it. That's our heart's desire. It's all about a relationship with the King of Kings. You know, that's the vision of our hearts, our our lives, is to live wholeheartedly for the kingdom. You know, so often we want to have this vision in our lives, and I've been so convicted lately that the vision isn't something that we come up with, something that we manufacture. It's actually the vision of the kingdom of God as revealed in the word of God. What is the kingdom of God that we see and hear, and how do our lives align with that? How do we carry that out where we ourselves are living? And so for the next couple weeks and months, we're going to be looking at different passages all throughout Scripture that talk about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. And and last week, we were in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 22. And we heard a story about a king who gave a, a great banquet for his son. Well, we're going to look at the same story but only we're going to look at it in Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 14. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 14. And it's the same story, a little bit different um, as Luke records it. Luke is, is sharing things in chronological order uh, as they happen in Jesus' life. At the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, Luke is saying, uh, I want to share with you an orderly account of how things happen in Jesus' life. And last week as we looked at this passage, we noticed that uh, the king wants to be present with his people. That the presence of God changes everything. And that's why I get excited about times like this, is because the presence of God as we are coming together uh, to worship changes everything. God is in this room, I believe it 100%. But also God, the King of Kings, is inviting us into relationship with himself. All throughout the passage that we read last week, there was a word, invite, invite, invite. Go out and invite people to the banquet, to the great banquet. Well this week we're going to see a couple different words. And uh, it's a word about, um, for our lives, are we making up excuses? Are we coming up with excuses when the Lord is inviting us to His great banquet table? I think about the word about uh, being in a hurry. I think that can be an excuse, like, I I need to go do this and this, when the Lord is inviting us into His kingdom work. And so Luke chapter 14, we're going to start reading at uh, verse 12, I believe. Just a little bit of a a background. Jesus is sitting at uh, the table at, a, at the house of a Pharisee, a, a ruler of the Pharisees. Um, a little while before, the, uh, we're, what we're going to read, a man with a condition known as dropsy came into the house. And uh, dropsy is uh, its not a, a condition that we hear of, of much, but it's, uh, it's a condition where somebody just had a, had a bunch of excess water. Uh, They were bloated. And so uh, people in that day, in in the first century, Pharisees specifically, they thought that uh, somebody had that condition because it was God's judgment on their life. And so Jesus is sitting in uh, the house of a religious ruler and uh, is faced with a man who's experiencing this condition, and it's the Sabbath. And so a man with dropsy doesn't just drop on by. Like Jesus was set up for this, and they were looking to see what Jesus would do and so jesus surrounded by religion in this very religious environment looks at the man and and he heals the man and then people were all upset and and like oh this is a sabbath like jesus is healing on the sabbath and jesus looks at him and he goes well what would you do like if you had an ox or if your son was in a in a hole like wouldn't you go help him out uh, on 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 the sabbath and they were speechless and then he went on and, and he noticed that people in the house of this Pharisee, they were, they were fighting for uh, this position, uh, the, the, the most prestigious position. And then Jesus goes on and tells the story. He goes, when you're invited to a party like this, don't seek the, the seat of honor. Take a lower seat. Put others before yourself. And so this is the context in which Jesus is sharing this next story that we're going to look at. It's a very religious context. It's in the house of a Pharisee. And so this is what Jesus said, says, in, uh, starting in verse 12. It says, he said also to the man who had invited him, the ruler of the Pharisees, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or sisters or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you being repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. I believe someone in reading that just got a vision for Thanksgiving dinner. Invite, not the relatives, invite the, the poor, the, the lame, the crippled. Like, invite them all. We'll keep going. When one of those, verse 15, who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, "Blesses is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many, and at the time for the banquet he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. They said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another the said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to the master. And the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and to the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and lame. And the servant said, sir, what you have commanded has been done and still there is more room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and he said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple." So start at the beginning. Here the story is shared. A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. From last week we realized that this was a king who was throwing on a great banquet for his son. All the preparations had been made. The fat and calf had been slaughtered. There is this wonderful spread of, of food. And now is the time for the party to happen. And so he invites many people. Like, let's not un- let's not forget that. Let's just pause kind of at this moment and just remember that you and I are being invited to the great banquet, a great feast. Maybe, maybe put it this way. I want you to think a little bit. Like, if you could meet anybody, if you could sit face-to-face with anybody in the world, maybe a celebrity, with anybody in the world, who would it be? If you could meet somebody, throw out some names. If you could meet one person sitting face-to-face, who would it be? Daniel? Daniel, like, from the Bible? That'd be pretty cool. Okay. Somebody maybe alive today. Like, if you could meet somebody, like, today, living and active today, like, who would you want to meet? Who do you want to spend, like, one hour with? Messi? Okay, that'd be pretty cool. Anybody else? Michael Jordan? That'd be pretty cool. Who? Who? I'm at a loss. What's that? Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, he's alive today. Good one, Cynthia. That's good. That's good. But let's take Messi, for example, okay? Let's take Messi, you know, uh, Landon. Imagine if all of a sudden you're like, I just want to meet Messi. I just want to spend an hour just talking with him, interacting with him. And all of a sudden, you know, your parents or you get a text message like, he's going to meet with you for an hour, He's going to sit and spend time with you for an hour. Like, what would be the response? Think of anybody that you would want to meet. Like, if they responded and they said, yes, I will meet with you. Like, you would be blown away. You probably would go out and buy a new outfit. You might buy, like, a, a, a uniform or whatever or a shirt or whatever. Be like, I'm going to meet Messi. I'm going to have one hour with Messi. Like, I, like the whole world would stop. You would be like telling your friends and preparing for that one moment. You'd be thinking about what you would say. And then probably when you got face to face with Messi, all of a sudden your words would get all jumbled. And you would be all sweaty and be like, I can't believe I'm meeting with Messi. I get to hang out with Messi. Like I think about that. I think about people that we would want to meet. We would get so excited. But when it comes to this invitation that we are given by the King of Kings, to come to the great banquet, does that still stir up in us like these amazing emotions that we get to meet with Almighty God? I think about like, you know, in a relationship. Think about your spouse. Think about like maybe somebody that you're dating or somebody that you would want to date. Like imagine getting like a text message or even like from your spouse when you're when they first texted you or called you way back in the day on the rotary phone for some of you. Imagine that, like you would get that phone call and you would be so excited and you would spend hours on the phone. You'd spend hours interacting. But then after years of relationship, you pass by in the house and you're like, hey, hey, how's it going? Like, Don't bug me, I'm doing this over here. And I just wonder, in our lives, when it comes to our relationship with God, when it comes to the fact that we have been invited into the great banquet and there has been a way that has been provided for us all through the blood of Jesus, I wonder if that invitation has grown cold in our hearts because that is the gospel. This is the gospel that we've been invited into relationship with the King of Kings and all the preparations have been made. The Lamb of God has been sacrificed for sin, so that we can boldly enter into His presence. But so often, like, that, 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 that invitation can grow cold in our hearts, and we're like, oh, that's nice. I'll maybe get around to it someday. I just pray today that, like, the the Lord would stoke in us just such a burning fire for Jesus again. That just like David prayed back in Psalm 51, that, that, um, the joy of the, of joy of the Lord's salvation, that he would restore unto us the joy of his salvation. That just like if we got an invitation from Messi, like we'd be so excited, just like with the Lord, we're so excited to walk in relationship with him every single day. Has your heart grown cold to the fact that you have a relationship with God through Jesus? Are you still burning in your heart with excitement and awe over the fact that you, you have a Father in heaven. You have a Father who's seated on the throne who you can boldly approach with confidence all because of Jesus. And you think like, oh, I'm good. You know, if you're, you're like, oh, I'm good, I, I, I'm all right. Let me ask you this question because we're gonna st- step into some, some excuses that people made. Like, does everything in your life pale in comparison to meeting with the King of Kings? I just keep coming back to that word. Does everything in your life, your schedule, things that you think you need to do, does everything pale in comparison to what God might want to do moment by moment in our lives. Look at these excuses that these three people, and I'm going to look at another person. We're going to actually look at four people and their lame excuses, things that prevented them from saying yes. You read about it in in verse 18. They were all invited, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, 'Um, I bought a field. I must go see it. Another's like, I bought five yoke of oxen. I need to go examine them. And another said, I have gotten married. You know, usually in Scripture, you hear uh, this word, but, and all of a sudden, something amazing is going to happen. We started the service that way. Like, okay, we were foolish, we were disobedient, we were dead in our sins. But when the loving kindness of God appeared, He saved us not because of our own works, but because of His mercy. You know usually you see that word but and all of a sudden things change for the better but here this is like a sad but all of a sudden it's like here's this great invitation but everybody who hear, heard these guys who heard they went away and they started to make excuses and these excuse, excuses were absolutely lame people in the room would have laughed when Jesus was sharing these excuses because think about it a field hey i bought a field I bought a field, I need to go look at it. How many people buy a field without looking at it? I mean, he would have already gone and seen it. He already would have looked at it. He already would have examined the, the field. Plus, banquets were at night. There was no light to see the field uh, at night. And so he had plenty of time to go see the field. He could have seen the field the next day. But he says, no, I have this field. I, I have to go, go check it out. And then the next person said, you know, I, I bought five oxen. I bought uh, about ten ox." And people didn't usually purchase oxen without trying them out. He had already tried them out. The last one, though, is an interesting one because at first, the guy who's married, it seems like it's a legit excuse. Like, okay, I'm, I'm newly married. I need to go spend time with my wife. But it wasn't like he was all of a sudden getting married. He had been married for a while. He had had time with his wife. Plus, if you think about it, if you were invited to dine with the king... Wouldn't you go home and get your wife and bring her? There's no mention about that. He says, no, I just need to go hang out with my wife. These are lame excuses that prevent people from stepping into a relationship with the king. But it makes me think every time I read this passage, are there things in my life, are there things in your life that have taken priority? Are there things, are there things in your life that, in other words, have become an idol something that you love more, something that you give time and attention to more than the king of kings. You know, I think about these things that the, uh, the things that uh, these excuses represent. You know, I need to go look at my field. Do possessions. Does the love of the things of this world does it get in the way of you saying yes to the invitation to the, to the great banquet? Are you in love with the things of this world? Are you in love with uh, the stuff, like looking for uh, possessions and, and things that you buy to satisfy the deepest longings of your soul? Like our whole world is set up to entice you uh, to buy more things, to show you that you need more things to be happy. I mean, just scroll on any social media and all of a sudden an ad comes up and you're like, I was doing fine until I saw that and now I need that. Now my life is empty. There is a constant temptation for us to want more and more. Have the love of possessions got in the way of you saying yes to Jesus. Have you made possessions an idol? The other thing that I think about is like the guy who went and bought five yoke of oxen. He had huge fields. This would have been 10 oxen, and like this would have been a lot of oxen to like take care of a lot of fields. Like his occupation, the thing that he had given his life to was uh, working and making a name for himself, like through his occupation, has your occupation. Has the thing that you're doing for a living gotten in the way of you following Jesus? I think it's so often, you know, people are stressed, like, what am I going to do with my life? What am I going to give my life to? Where am I going to go to college? Where am I going to work? All of these cares and concerns flood our minds, and we allow anxiety and worry to bubble up, and we get freaked out. We're so focused on that instead of doing the thing that Jesus told us to do to seek first his kingdom. Has your occupation Maybe your reputation, has that gotten in the way of you following Jesus wholeheartedly? But then there's this last one, you know, people, relationships, maybe worried about what people think about you, consumed with impressing people, has that gotten in the way of you following Jesus wholeheartedly? See, when it comes to this passage, every time I read this passage, I don't like this passage because it's too real for me. Because here are these excuses, and, and there have been so many times where I have allowed excuses to prevent me from following Jesus wholeheartedly. Is Jesus the deepest love of our life? Is Does he have the throne of our hearts? See, there are three people here. Like three people who said yes to excuses instead of a relationship with the king. And I think every single day, we have to ask ourselves a question, who or what do we love more than the King of Kings? It says that the, the master, the man was angry when people said no to the great invitation. It gives a picture of, of God being angry. Why? Because He God is zealous. He wants all of us. But there is one more person that I want to highlight. Turn over to Matthew chapter 22. Because this man made an excuse even though it wasn't obvious from the passage. Matthew 22, verses 11 through 14. Again, this is the same story, Matthew and Luke telling it from different angles. This man came to the great banquet. He came and he he sat at the wedding feast. But it says, When the king came in and he looked at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. I read that initially, and I read it last week, and and every time when I read that, I'm like, wow, that's, that's kind of a harsh reaction. Like, here's this person who didn't have on the proper attire, like, what's the deal with that? Like, can't he just come as he is? Like, just, maybe he just, like, he's got jeans, he likes wearing jeans and a t-shirt to a wedding. Like, what's wrong with that? Like, what's wrong with being casual? Like, just imagine if I came and I did a wedding and uh, I asked the bride and the groom, like, what do you want me to wear? And they're like, you got to wear a suit. And I'm like, well, I hate suits, and so I'm coming like this. That would be disrespectful, Right? Here, this man was disrespectful to the father and the son who were throwing this party. Because in that culture, the father and the son would have provided wedding clothes for those who came. And so this man refused to put on the wedding clothes. He wanted to be accepted as he was. Like, I got good works. I'm just here for, for this feast. He refused to put on the wedding clothes that were provided for him. See, the only way for us to be reconciled to the king of kings is to be clothed in the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. It's to be fully clothed in Jesus. I think so often, I think this is the problem in the church today, so often we just wanna add Jesus to our lives. We just wanna say, you know what? I just need a little bit of Jesus uh, plus my life instead of being completely consumed and clothed with Christ. See, in the church today, I fear we have a culture that is all about addition Instead of a culture of complete surrender. Going all in fully clothed, fully surrendered, fully abandoned to King Jesus. I've been working in the church for 25 years. Can't believe I'm that old. It goes by like just like that. And over the years, I have heard so many excuses. I've heard so many excuses in people's lives. There's so many things that people will say. Here are some excuses that I have heard and I think it underlines just a, a problem that exists in the church today. Here's what I've heard. Service times, it's too early for me. Service time is too late for me. The music is too loud for me. The music is too quiet for me. The music is too new for me. The music is too old for me. I didn't like the music. Service is too long for me. I don't like the building. It's too light it's nuts too dark. I don't like the building because the wall is painted black. I heard that one. I want cookies. I want to sit around a table. I go to church, and this is where it gets more in people's lives. I go to church. I can live how I want. Don't talk to me, a, don't talk to me about my sexuality. Don't talk to me about my time. Don't talk to me about my money. Don't talk to me about my mouth. Don't talk to me about the vices in my life. All throughout, People say, like, I don't like this. And here's the problem. In my life, and I would dare say in a lot of our lives, the focus is too often on us. Here it is. Here's the truth. Life is not about you or I. See, too often I think the spirit of the Antichrist can enter into the church in America and we are consumed with the focus being on ourselves instead of being on King Jesus. I mean, think about it. Go all the way back to even before creation. Why did Satan fall? He wanted to be worshipped. What was the original temptation to Adam and Eve? You want to be like. Do you want to be like God? Putting ourselves on par with God or even above God. And that can happen in the church today. And it is happening when we say, well, I want this and I need this. when we want the attention to be on ourselves. I believe there's a culture of addition instead of a culture of all in that has pervaded the church in America. And here is what I see. This next slide, Cynthia, if you have this. If this, oh, right there, there you go. Oh, right there. If that is how you're living, that's how the man who went to the wedding feast without the wedding garments, appropriate wedding garments on was living. I plus Jesus. And just to be honest and to be as loving as I can, that type of life will lead you to an eternity separated from God in hell. That is one of religion. I plus Jesus. I'm just going to add a little Jesus to my life. But what Jesus is looking for is to be the sole king of your heart and for you to go all in, for me to go all in on Jesus. Because when we do, when we give our lives to Jesus, next slide, Cynthia, when it's all about Jesus, that's when we become a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. See, the problem with the church in today is it's nothing to do with tweaking things. The problem in the church today is our hearts. We want to see revival, but revival must begin in our hearts by going all in. And there are different areas where we in our lives need to repent uh, from adding Jesus just to to our lives instead of allowing Him to consume our lives. I mean, I think about it. You show me 1,200 people 1,200 people who just add Jesus to their lives, and I'll show you that they make just 1,200 more people that will add Jesus to their lives. But you show me 12 people that have been consumed and go all in on Jesus, and they will change the world. We see it through the, God, through the book of Acts. The disciples go all around, and it says that they transformed the world. They turned the world upside down with their message. They went all in, complete surrender to Jesus. Have you gone all in on Jesus? I want us to end um, with a song and just a time of repentance. And I'm going to invite you to stand in a little bit. But I want to end with this verse from Matthew 13, because this is the picture of what the Lord has invited us into. Matthew 13, it's another parable that Jesus shares and he said this uh the kingdom of god cynthia you can go to the next slide keep going right there the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that that field that there is the goal That's the vision, to be a people that are so in love with Jesus that we come across the treasure that's in the field, and we're like, oh my goodness, here's the treasure, here's Jesus. We have to have everything. We have to have him. And we go back in joy, it says, with great joy sells all that that he has, just so that he can get the field. Too often we're like, oh, i got to give up this, or i got to give up that. But here was a man who with joy surrendered all. That's the culture of the kingdom. People who aren't making excuses. People who aren't in love with other things more than the king. People who with joy, with great anticipation, surrender all and give all to Jesus. I want to invite you to stand right now. And I just want to ask you, is there anything in your life that you've given your heart to more than you've given your heart to Jesus. I just think as we sing, as we close out our time, I think this is just a great invitation to repent, to turn from the things that we have given our life to and to turn back to Jesus, to turn towards Jesus. All throughout the Bible, we see that it says it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. There are things that have a hold of our hearts that our Father is is seeing and saying, like, that has to go. You think that thing is giving you life. You think that person is giving you life, but that has to go because I want to truly give you life. I want to be the only one that satisfies you. There are things that we accept as just a cheap substitute for the real, and that being Jesus. So is there anything in your life that you have to turn from today and turn towards the amazing love that Jesus has for you. So just invite the the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Is there anything that has to go? Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would reveal the things that are on our hearts that might have a, a stronger grip on our hearts more than Jesus. We want to be a people that are fully in, fully surrendered to you.